Welcome to the worst writer in the world with me, Rufus, Hooray. and he's got his tights on. He's ready to save a <laughs> helicopter from falling off a building. It's Howard Long. So this week we begin our retelling of Superman 3, that wonderful, perhaps the best film from the 1980s and perhaps ever. (laughs) Certainly, (laughs) certainly the best Superman film. Absolutely. I mean, without a doubt. Yes. And one of the reasons we chose this uh, is, apart from it being one of the best films ever Ever, made, made. is that it's kind of, it's always been part of our mythology because of a conversation we had (laughs) uh, way back in an like really early episode of the Man by Cow podcast when I believe we were talking about superpowers, right? And Mm -hmm. no, it was a question... If you could have one super, this is yeah, this is how it works. If you could have one superpower, what superpower would you choose? And obviously, the, we all know now, with years of experience, that the mm. correct answer is jumping. <laughs> right. True, true, very true. But back then, we were exploring different possibilities, and I believe, if I remember correctly, we said flying. Mm. Like, what, what, what would, what would you do with flying? And you said you'd put out fires. <laughs> so yeah, what would I use flying for? I'd have to save cats from trees. I would. Um... Put out fires. Hold on. You can. Im- <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but Superman put out a fire by freezing a lake, carrying it, and then dropping it on top of the that, fire. You see how that involves several other superpowers: the ability to freeze a lake, pick up a, pick lake. Up a lake, carry a lake, carry a lake, and then melt a lake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of those things mm. are powers we don't have. Yeah. We can just all we can do is fly to a lake. <laughs> Look at it. Again. Yeah, sorry, we'll... sorry you all burned to death, but at least I saw a nice lake. Right, so now we know uh, the inspiration for making this episode. Let's get on with it, shall we? Yes, please, Lois. I tried, I, when I was watching this, I tried, tried to get a kind of a main thesis for the movie. Like, you know, with Gremlins, it was like the Gremlins are the good guys yes. and then you've got a nice, a nice driving. And I really couldn't accept... For the idea that absolutely nothing in this movie makes sense. Yeah. On any level at all. It's like basically the person who wrote this movie doesn't understand how anything <laughs> whatsoever works at all. Not yeah. computers, not weather, <laughs> and, and especially not Superman. <laughs> right? like it's just not not yeah. people, not any nothing makes any yeah. sense at all. It's shocking. It's like you, you, you that thing where they bring on someone to, to work on a, a well beloved thing and they get it wrong. Um uh, stop getting Bond wrong. It's like they, they don't understand <laughs> yeah. Superman, but yeah, but they also don't understand humans or <laughs> No, nothing not any single thing. Not how raffles work. I mean, it's not a single, <laughs> single thing yeah. that they get right yeah. about life. No. So, as we know, this was written by someone who knows how nothing works, and especially, <laughs> especially not Superman. So, what I'm thinking is, what, what? The, it's actually, it's written by, um, by a couple, by, by a man and a woman writer. Mm-hmm. Right? So, <laughs> I suspect that, the, as we know, these two people have never heard of Superman, got no idea what Superman is or how it works, right? Hmm. So, they probably watched the first two movies because that's what you do, right? If you're a screenwriter, you don't read yeah. the comics. You're like, oh, I'll watch the first two movies. This is the third one. I'll watch the first two. Hmm. So they're like, right, okay, Superman's powers number one. On flying. Mm. All right, number two, heat vision. Right, mm. Okay, number three, ice breath. Number four, bulletproof. Mm. Number five, see through rocks. Mm. Number six, kiss people's memories away. 
Nine, number seven, yeah. make time go back with my flying really fast around yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number eight, take the S off his chest and throw it at villains to defeat them. Yeah. And like, I think after you've done that, you're like, oh, I'll tell you what, yeah. right? Superman's really boring and stupid. <laughs> and can do anything. I think I'll write a film about Richard Pryor getting into scrapes <laughs> instead. Yeah. I'm not going to put Superman in this movie mm. at all if I can avoid it. Yeah, fuck him. Is it, does it open with <laughs> Gus Gorman or does it open it with, does, the, with, yeah. the, with the huge comedy no, sequence? it opens with Gus. At a job centre. Yeah. Well, this is, I've put, it, I've put this into, into parts because mm. so my notes are so long I thought I'd better split them up. So part one mm. is called Learn Computers, Get Money. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we open on Richard Pryor standing in a queue playing with a yo-yo. Yay! <laughs> right? Which we know... Means he's a bad guy, right? He's yo-yo villain. He is, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, if he's not a bad guy, yes. who's like a poorly realised bad guy who needs a gimmick, why would an adult man be standing in a queue playing with a yo-yo? Yeah, yeah. No, but it is a movie. Um, remember, in movies, what you usually do at the beginning is when, when you've got a hero, you show them, like, I don't know, doing kung fu or something, so you know that they can do kung fu. <laughs> and then later on, they do kung fu, and you're like, ah, yeah. that's why you showed them doing kung fu earlier. So um, Gus Gorman using a yo-yo <laughs> is a real good setup to when he <laughs> uses it to skydive or something later on. Gus Gorman using a yo- using yo-yo is a really good setup to show that he will be able to design a supercomputer like nothing that's ever <laughs> existed before. That's, that's that's how we know that's coming later. And so later on, when he does that on the back of a napkin, we're all like, oh, yeah, well, he could use that yo-yo. <laughs> so it makes sense that he can design what's, a supercomputer. What's that thing where you, um, where you... Usually in modern movies, they do it from building to building. But Gus Gorman uses his yo-yo to... Um, to What's it called? Zipline. Yeah, zip Gus Gorman ziplines with his yo-yo at the end of the movie to escape <laughs> being exploded. I swear on my life. <laughs> Does that not happen? <laughs> Maybe I'm imagining that now. Then <laughs> he yo-yos himself. Yeah, he, out he, of the ground. I swear, like, watch it again. He definitely zip lines to, to safety. Okay, yeah. mm. I'll watch it all again just to see if, <laughs> if he yo-yo zip lines to safety. And in the comments, if if you know if, if whether Gus Gorman zip lines to safety with a yo-yo or not, please add it in the comments now. All right, so Richard Pryor survives standing in a queue before mobile phones were invented, and eventually reaches the front, where he reveals that. Mm. Twist, his name isn't Richard Pryor. After all, it's Gus Gorman. <laughs> and he's unemployed. Yes, yes. So he is a villain. In fact, he's not just unemployed, he's also claiming welfare. The worst crime yes. you can commit in the conservative USA. Not having a job and still needing money to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> So Gus Gorman is not allowed any more welfare because he's reached the limit of his welfare and so now he has to die. Yes. So Gus Gus decides to keep to move this on as quickly as possible by having a cigarette <laughs> in the welfare office. It's so it's well, so exciting yeah. to watch that now. But he just stands there in the middle of the welfare office and lights a cigarette. Right. He, and like, asks a bloke in the queue for a light because literally mm-hmm. everyone in 1983 smoked cigarettes in every single <laughs> building everywhere and, and on every vehicle. Okay, this is this is where this is where I agree with Gran. Um, it was much better in the past. You could smoke <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> and yeah, even the welfare, the people who work there are all smoking. It's not just the. Well, of course, the tagline for the first movie was "You will believe a man can fly," but for this one, it was "You will believe a man can smoke," and um, <laughs> that's where everyone's doing it. You'll believe him. You'll believe a man can code. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. No, so yeah. the conclusion of this, like he's he's gone to the welfare office, he's not 
you know, he's not allowed to live anymore, but he is allowed to smoke. Because smoking is a human right, mm. but being alive isn't. And those two things do fit together quite well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so he gets he gets a book of matches from a guy in the queue, and on the back of that book of matches, Gus Gorman sees the plot. <laughs> and it says, earn big money, become yeah. a computer programmer. Wow. And that's where the pre-credit sequence ends. So it's not a job, it's a course. It's not a job, it's a coincidence. OK. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't... You're thinking you went to the job centre and they went, here you go, you can have a you can have a training course and then we'll get you a coding job. Yeah. No, he went to the job centre, they threw him out. Yeah. Right? And on his way out, he was like, have you got any matches? And yeah. on the matches, it said, is how the plot's going to work. Right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, if he goes to a job... Yeah, if you, realistically, if you went to a job centre, they could say, there's a, there's a computer course, go and do it. Yeah, and yeah. Rather than like finding it on the accidentally on the back of a packet of cigarettes, <laughs> weird. Like 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 we said, hmm. the writers of this movie don't know how anything works, hmm. and so when they think, oh, how can we get our character from the first scene we've put him in, mm-hmm. and really a simple situation, then nothing's happened yet. We know nothing about this character except he's in a place. It's a place <laughs> where people go for welfare and maybe to find out about jobs, <laughs> <laughs> and he needs. He needs a job Mm. or a training course. Mm. I know, matches. (laughs) So that's the end of the pre-credit sequence. Now we cut to the big opener. And this being a Superman film, it's bound to be an exciting (laughs) action sequence with lots of flying and saving people. (gasps) No, hang on, it's a load of slapstick for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I've got a list for you. Firstly, a row of telephone boxes fall over like dominoes for some reason. <laughs> All right. Superman yeah. doesn't turn up to help. <laughs> he could. That could be something that he helps with, but no, he doesn't. Then a load of animatronic penguins escape from their <laughs> owner for some reason. <laughs> Superman doesn't turn up to help. Yes. Then some hilarious light-hearted street harassment occurs. <laughs> Because this was the 80s and everyone thought catcalling was fucking hilarious. Superman doesn't murder the catcaller with his heat vision. No. The next thing that happens in this totally logical Mm. opening to a Superman movie is a comedy blind man. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I love this guy. (laughs) Walking walking a random dog. Yes. Here's here's the thing. That is not his dog. (laughs) This is my theory. That is not his dog. And I have evidence for this. All right. Number one. It is clearly not a guide dog. <laughs> no. First of all, right? Which is proven immediately by the fact that, that, that as soon as it sees another dog, <laughs> it runs off yeah. and leaves the blind man. Yes. Which guide dogs, like, that's the, probably the first thing they train guide dogs mm, not mm. to do, right? I mean, guide dogs are highly trained, very intelligent creatures. Yeah. I doubt they forget to, <laughs> to introduce them to the existence of other dogs. <laughs> but also, number two, evidence number two, even just regular dogs don't do that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just normal untrained dogs don't run off and abandon their owner forever yeah. the first time they see another dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? So that yeah. that's just some random dog he's yeah. taken for a walk. And here's my here's my wider theory. Here's my theory of how it all works. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So I think someone stole his guide dog and replaced it with a regular dog. Yeah. Okay. And a particularly badly behaved regular dog. Yeah. Sure. I'm thinking like guide dogs are probably worth a fair amount of money, right? Considering all the training it takes, there's got to be a black market for guide dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and people might be thinking, you know, just because just because someone's blind, you can't just 
replace their dog and they won't notice, right? <laughs> you know, he's got he's got other senses. Right? Yeah. If you if you switch out his Labrador yeah. with an untrained Alsatian, mm. he'll spot it right away, right? Yeah. But yeah. what you fail to take into account <laughs> is that this man is not only blind, he's also a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. He's right? he's a, he's worse at being a blind man than his dog is at being a guide dog, right? <laughs> being a dog. Yeah. Being any kind of dog, he's, yeah. His his other senses are not heightened. They're <laughs> Don't exist. No, they're, they're reduced. Yeah. He's got no senses. Yeah. And we know his dog recognition powers are weak because mm. when he stumbles upon a massive metal <laughs> machine for painting yellow lines on the road, yeah, yeah. he thinks, oh, that's my dog. That's my dog. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my dog. And yeah. grabs it and starts taking it for a walk. <laughs> Yes. He can't tell the difference between a dog and a fucking line painting machine. He's mm. not going to notice when you swap his Labrador with an Alsatian, He's is he? Not. No. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's yeah, such 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 an eighties kind of like um, blind person, kind right. of like just bumbling around like Mister Magoo kind of thing. Yeah, because that's what he does. Mm. He's he's Mister Magooing his way mm. around Metropolis, right? <laughs> and he, like the next thing he does, he knocks a bloke into a hole. <laughs> yes. And then steps on his head. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's such a cartoon. Yeah. And then he apologizes to a lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and then wanders off to get run over by a bus. Yeah. <laughs> all right? And all this happens, and Superman mm. does not turn up to help. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say some, one thing about that hole? Because this is something I've wondered about my entire life. <laughs> why, why are there loads of bombs around the hole? Why are there bombs around that hole? Oh, yeah, and not like... They're like... Like cartoon bombs, there are loads of little round bombs with like with with okay. with, with the things well, lit just next around a hole, and it's like why are there bombs there? Well, I'm gonna have to watch the movie to find out. I should have it on my hard drive somewhere. Let me have a quick look. Is that not in your notes? The bombs? No, no, I didn't. I didn't pay attention to the bombs because I don't, I don't, that doesn't seem like it's a thing. So I need to check now. Well, there's so so much else going on to to, to distract you from yeah, the bombs really that are there in the middle of the street. Yeah, I watched the opening sequence like three or four times, and I did not notice any bombs. Mm. Um, anyway, so here we go. Mm. All right, so oh, I've got. I'm I'm at the. Oh fuck, you're right. <laughs> There's two bombs. Yes. Wait, There's a bomb, bomb right there, right in front of him. Why? Shit, you're right. There are bombs there. <laughs> Why are there bombs there? And they're like, of them. I'm you're right. There's a circle of bombs. But they're like Acme bombs, like the the round yeah, ones. Yeah. You only ever see them in cartoons and Superman three. I guess Wiley e. Coyote's been passed earlier. Yeah. I mean, we've said it is a cartoon. I, I think, like when I was young, I was like, maybe there's something that you have in America that aren't really bombs. Um, but I didn't know any Americans that could tell me any different. The internet didn't exist, um, so it was just like maybe one day they look like some kind of warning right like maybe they're meant to warn you that there's a hole there but it feels like big barriers are better yeah or flashing the tiny l- balls actual just fire. flashing lights rather than things that look like they're about to explode although I suppose I wouldn't go near a hole if I thought it was going to explode <laughs> maybe it's maybe they're yeah they're trying to keep children away mm. by using cartoon logic <laughs> like well a kid's a kid's never going to go near a bomb <laughs> are they no. but obviously to a kid a bomb is like a ball with a bit of flame on the mm. top so we'll make some of them Meanwhile, one of those walking penguin toys is on fire for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And finally... Yay! (laughs) We get to see Clark Kent do something because he just happens to be on hand to subtly Mm. put it out 
with his ice breath, mm. right? And as we're talking about setting things up for later, remember yeah. about the ice breath power, okay? Mm. Because just just in case a situation arises which calls for him to freeze something, for example, a yes. lake. <laughs> <laughs> we need to know that he can freeze things with his breast in case a lake needs yes. freezing for some reason. But not with his not, with, not with his breasts, as Rufus just said, but with his breath. <laughs> he doesn't freeze anything with his, with with his, his breasts. Ice, with his ice breasts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> freeze. What are you yeah, doing? I'm just freezing yeah. a lake with my ice breasts. Yeah. Know? Yeah, Christopher Reeve does a lot of um, like really convincingly um, inconspicuous stuff in this, doesn't he? <laughs> he like he double does, check yeah. before he blows out a penguin. Yeah. Yeah. When I was making notes for this, I was convinced. I had to go back and check, and it turned out to be wrong. Mm. But I was completely convinced that when he does the blowing, mm. that he raises his glasses before he does. <laughs> I was so sure. Like, think about that. In your mind, isn't yeah, that true? Yeah, definitely like, does. The, like, he sees it, he raises his glasses and then blows yeah. on it because he has to. He can't use his powers with his glasses on, right? Yeah. But I, I, I went back, and that's so incredibly not the case. Oh, and I'm sure, I think he does. I'm sure it is, but it does. It doesn't appear to be when I actually. I think watch it does. It. I think it does because also because I think when he looks around, he needs to be able to see, but he can't see with his glasses on because he's got perfect vision, <laughs> yeah. and they're fucking it up. That's one of the that's one of the myths, isn't it? Or one of the I don't know if it's like um, textual, but certainly I've read that online that the, one of the reasons he wears glasses is be, is so he can't see properly because then it makes him clumsy. Oh. So when he's Clark Kent, he. He actually is a bit clumsy because he can't see anymore. Yeah, and he's like, and he's a, he's like hundred percent clumsy pillock in this movie, isn't he? I mean, he <laughs> he is in the others a bit, but he gets really well, he's really dumb in this. And not according to Christopher Reeve in an interview I watched with oh, him really? earlier, where he was saying that he wanted to change it a bit because he thought that after two movies of um, yeah. Clark Kent walking into doors and stuff, by this point he'd know where those doors are. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted so much. So he wanted to change it up. <laughs> I think I think after walking into doors a few times, Superman, Superman, the most powerful man on the planet, would stop walking into that door frame. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a fair point. D- obliterate the door. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up, there's a comedy gunfight. Uh, <laughs> is there? Yeah. A robber comes out of the bank. Oh yeah. yeah and okay. police are shooting at him in a busy street. Mm-hmm. Right? There's just people everywhere, and they're just shooting at this this robber. And they like they don't show it, but I think it's clear that a lot of people got murdered here. <laughs> like, this is this is what's wrong with the with the mm. armed police in in the USA, right? They're just yeah. randomly murdering people, and they're probably never going to prison for it. And while all this happens, Superman, of course, does not turn up to help because he's busy putting that penguin. Yes, yeah, because the thing is, like you know, it's a natural, it's naturally natural. natural progression is because in the fourth movie is all about nuclear disarmament in this he's just concerned with climate change and you know penguins getting hot (laughs) penguins getting hot is a major concern isn't it so he's more interested in like making a penguin cold than stopping people getting shot All right, so next up, a stray bullet from the police. Yes. It's, it's definitely from the police because the actual the actual criminal, like he does have a gun, but he never uses it because he's just running away with a bag of money mm. while the police shoot everyone inside. <laughs> <laughs> so a stray bullet from the police hits the tyre of a car which skids and hits a fire hydrant in what? such an unfortunate manner what? that his car starts filling up with water and also his door won't open. Yeah. So he's going to drown in his hermetically sealed car. <laughs> Yeah, which has sealed itself again around the fire hydrant. It's a su- it's an amazing car. <sighs> you just got to wonder, like, um, what 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 are the the his and hers? Let's call them Pip and Jane Baker for for for, for ease. And um, when they were <laughs> writing this movie, the Pip and Jane were going like, what what's an accident that could happen in the middle of a city? Um, drowning. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. Drowning. How can, we, how can we get that to work? Uh, well, what if he drives into a fire hydrant? Mm. Brilliant. Write it down. It's amazing. And the only person... I don't think they thought twice about any of their ideas. Someone said it and they're like, yes, put it in. It's in the movie. Yeah. The only person who can possibly open a car door, of course, uh, would be Superman. If only Superman were here to help. Mm. I mean, the the movie so far suggests he won't be. Because <laughs> right? he hasn't helped anyone else with anything. But finally, in a dramatic break, Superman does turn up to help. But mm. not immediately. No. He he's got to. I mean, he's got to change into his costume. Ah, first, yes, right? yes, 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 yes. So he's, he's he's still dressed as Clark Kent. So mm. he sees a photo booth, mm. you know, being being used by a kid and a mother. Yes, and he goes into the photo booth and he gets changed. It, I mean, modern Superman gets changed super fast. Like he spins around and he's in in his club. But but move old movie Superman took a full <laughs> minute to get changed. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you don't even see yeah. it happen. It, it, you, they could have made it fast, but they just went, no. Well, he's got to t- actually take his clothes off and put the others on, so we better give a full minute of him in the photo booth. And also, the the the, the, it's, the photos are taking, so afterwards you get to see yeah, the yeah, progression remember, of, remember, him, remember. of him posing. <laughs> it's so, they're so posed. Yeah. It's like he's posing with his glasses on, then posing with them slightly yeah. off, and then, then his hair's changed. It's it's so that's so long. Those photo things took ages. Right? Yeah, they did take ages. And isn't he Clark Kent in the first three and Superman in the last one? So it's like, how long did it take him to take his glasses off? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's I think he's fully Superman in the last one because mm. of course then what he does is he rips the last photo where he's fully Superman yeah. off and gives it to the kid, mm-hmm. right? The kid who paid for them, mm-hmm. the kid who presumably paid for pictures of himself and now has got <laughs> one photo of Superman. Exactly. Superman just stolen photos from a child. Didn't even sign it. <laughs> didn't even no, sign didn't. his name. Yeah, and this yeah. like th- th- this reminds me, because we've talked about uh, Save the Cat, right? Mm-hmm. Save the cat at the beginning of a movie. Show your uh, main character as a hero. Mm. It literally happens in Superman 1. Mm. He literally saves a cat from a tree, so we know he's a good guy. Mm. This is not save the cat. This is steal from a child. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What is this telling us about Superman? He's a villain. Spoiler, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Superman is, but Clark isn't, because Clark doesn't save the cat, but he does put out a penguin. So this is um, Blake Snyder's (laughs) put out a penguin, and then Superman, the villain, um, steals from a child. Um, and then, uh, and then probably a- a- Amelie Poulard or whatever her name is from the movie Amelie comes up and she's looking for those photographs, isn't she? Because that's a, that's the plot of that movie. And she's like, "Why does Clark Kent always tear up his photographs? Because he's Superman." <laughs> yeah. And then she puts a gnome in his guard. <laughs> yeah. I watched a deleted scene of Amelie or Superman three. <laughs> no, of Superman three. Um, from this sequence. Oh yeah. Uh, where it actually takes what happens with the robber a little bit further. Ooh. Because the robber, um, like he's running away with the money, but then someone who's like carrying a ladder or something accidentally hooks the bag of money on the ladder, and then it gets caught on a tr- on a on a crane. Yeah, and and it's like, and the robber's like trying to chase it, but it's too high and stuff, Brilliant. and then the police are chasing him, so he's chased away. And then we're following the money because it's a ridiculous slapstick cartoon. Capitalism, thing, right? brilliant. And the money gets kind of uh, taken over a playground where a kid and his mum are on a seesaw and the mum's like um, helping the kid on the seesaw Mm. and then the money gets dropped on the other side of the seesaw. (laughs) Yes! And cat catapults the kid into a tree. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) It's <laughs> so stupid. And like no one's like, oh shit, that kid's dead. They're all like, oh no, my kid's up a tree. And guess who comes to save the kid from the tree? Oh, uh, Batman? <laughs> <laughs> 
close, but no cigar. It's Superman. He actually does something in this scene they cut out. No, that's a shame, because I was, I was hoping we were going to get the, the Mary Jane choice, where the mum has to decide between the money or her own kit. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, Superman's right there yeah. because they're they're doing the same thing as as the first movie where he saves a cat, but now it's a fair kid. enough. But they the, but they cut the that out because Superman thing. is a villain. Spoilers: he is a villain, and he's also not in this movie very much. So yeah. they were like, we don't want to get people's hopes up by mm. having Superman in the opening sequence. They might think he's in the movie. If we do that, <laughs> and he really isn't much. No. <laughs> All right, so then Superman flies over to the man still drowning in his car, and he also he flies. Mm. More slowly than a person walking. <laughs> it's, like, it's so yeah. slow when he flies. Yeah. So, and by this point, the guy's been in the car for a full five minutes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> At least. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Drowning. So, and, we, yeah. and we saw him right really early yeah. on, the car was full. Still failing, still failing to open his own door, you know, which. <laughs> Which, when you're underwater, right, and people are trapped in vehicles and can't get the doors open, that's because there's pressure from water on the other side. Yeah. That doesn't happen in the middle of the sea. No, if you want to no open, the opposite does, you... because there's water inside yeah. the car. The pressure's helping yeah. you open the door. It's the mm. opposite force. Nobody's told Pip and Jane Baker that. They've seen a car underwater <laughs> with the doors closed and went like, well, if a, door, if a car's got water in it, you can't open the doors. Yeah, that's, that that's, that's must what's be the going rule. on there. That's why he's mm. drowning. Mm. Yeah, so um, so Superman pulls the rips the sunroof off and pulls right, the man yeah, out. Yeah. And fortunately, that guy's in the Guinness Book of World Records for holding his breath <laughs> for <laughs> ten minutes. Because otherwise, anyone else would have been dead while Superman put his tights on. <laughs> but he's fine. He's all right. He just has a bit of a cough, and then he's fine. <laughs> Superman saves the day. It turns out that that man is a murderer. <laughs> So next up, there's a businessman, some painters and a mime artist who decide to do a comedy oh, bit. Oh, yeah, 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 they're all, <laughs> right. Yeah. Because we haven't had enough slapstick yet, we've got to have a bit more. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a brilliant bit. Then Superman pies. <laughs> pies someone in the face. <laughs> Superman literally puts a custard pie. Someone's walking around with a custard pie <laughs> and Superman puts it in their face yeah. and then Laurel and Hardy turn up and bump into the three studios who are on their way to take a piano up some stairs with Buster Keaton probably but throughout that scene what one of the best things about that that sequence is that like um there's a there's a there's a cafe of people right and they're yeah. just loving it they're just there <laughs> clapping everything. Yeah. Like, going, yeah, well done for pie yeah. in that man. That's brilliant. This is all because it's clearly a performance. Yeah. It's clearly a flash mob doing this because <laughs> it's not reality, is it? Oh, my <laughs> God. Could you imagine what a brilliant flash mob that would be to encounter? I mean, I've never wanted to encounter a flash mob before, but I'd love it no, if I was just like know. walking through Metropolis and this happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, a slapstick flash mob might mm. actually work, right? Because mm. what it is usually is a bunch of like show-offs singing, right? And while you're trying to get the bus and suddenly yeah. you're being annoyed by a bunch of mm. theatre kids. But if all it happens is that you see some amazing mm. physical comedy that doesn't last too long and isn't right in your face either. Like you know, a pie. Kind of like a pie is in your face. Why is there a pie <laughs> in someone's face? Why is that? It's like... <laughs> because they like, reach a pinnacle of slapstick. That's why. They have. Because all these things are yeah you're right everything's slapstick and they've gone like well we need to um what, what else is there um um tiny car carrying a plank tiny, carrying a plank, plank. Yeah. they've kind of done that so in the in your deleted scene tiny something uh yeah the tiny car i suppose yeah, gets filled ladder. with water so that's kind of what it is but yeah, yeah i bet they were going like how do we get a pie in someone's face 
Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Just someone's carrying it. Just someone's carrying mm. it, and Clark Kent knocks it into their face. That'd be amazing. But there's like such a kind of because uh, there's a mime artist there, and mime artists are like it's just a kind of like common thing that happened in, in the movies, like like as though maybe they used to exist because I played one in Welcome to Ibiza, yeah, and like yeah, David Winters was like of that era, so he always. And like there was one in that dancing, it's on. And no, again, there was a mime artist, and it's just people believed <laughs> of a certain of a certain era believed that uh, there's always a mime artist in the background falling over and doing things mm. and pies. I wonder if it was just one of those movie things where someone put it in a movie and then people mm. were like, like they've seen it in a movie, so they think it's reality and don't yeah. realise that actually there's no such thing as mime artists. <laughs> <laughs> it never has been. <laughs> All right, well, that's the end of the um, opening, the exciting high-action opening sequence. And now we cut to the Daily Planet. So this is one of Lois's brief appearances in this movie. She's going to Bermuda and has her bikini in her pocket. (laughs) What? She's brought her bikini to work to show everyone. She's got it in her pocket. She's like, here's my bikini, bye. She doesn't wear it, does she? No, she gets it out of her pocket to show them and it's like really small and Clark's like... (laughs) (laughs) And then she leaves. And then she leaves and doesn't come back until the end where she has another brief cameo. (laughs) Anyway, so so she's going to Bermuda and has a bikini in her pocket, right? Mm. Clark is going to Smallville Mm. to do a story on his high school reunion. Yeah, why? Because that's something that like big city journalists do all the time. <laughs> so Lois is going to Bermuda, Clark's going to Smallville, Perry White has to pick a raffle ticket to see who wins <laughs> a trip to South America. <laughs> and the weird thing about the raffle is that it's called a bingo. Yeah, it's bingo, right? right? It's bingo. called Jingo Bingo. Jingo called bingo. Jingo Bingo, but then he pulls a raffle ticket. So they just because this the people who wrote this movie yeah. do not understand how anything <laughs> at all works. They don't know the difference between raffles and bingo. Uh, oh, and Jimmy Olsen is there, but pointless. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but he is, but he is there. <laughs> All right. So after that brief uh, visit to the Daily Planet, mm-hmm. we cut to the Archibald School of Data Processing. Ooh. That's Archibald Children, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> So it turns out Richard Pryor is a computer genius because he knows because he knows how to type the word list. <laughs> right, seriously. He types the word list and the teachers are like, fucking hell, dude. Yeah. <laughs> You're the chosen one that all the prophecies spoke of. You're a fucking natural computer whiz kid genius because you typed list <laughs> and a bunch of words appeared on your screen that you didn't understand. <laughs> Yeah. And Gus is like, damn right I am. Time to go get a job so I can earn the big bucks like those matches promised. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that happens. To, to establish him being a computer genius, he types the word list and the and the teacher's like, fucking hell, that's amazing. Yeah. That's all that happens. But when 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 one question as to how he does it, he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. And the teacher's like, yeah, you're the chosen one. You're the computer chosen one. Here's a napkin, draw a supercomputer. But does he literally, because it's like, the question there is like, does he actually not know? Is he being modest? Like, because if he doesn't know, and especially if, he, if, if, if what he's just done is type the word list, if he doesn't know how he typed the word list, that's a bit worrying. <laughs> if he like, I pressed L-I-S-T. Turns out Gus can't read, actually. He's just hitting keys and hoping and yeah. he's really lucky. <laughs> Because if it is by accident, then he's definitely not going to get the job at a big company, is it? Well, 
Well, let's find out if he gets the job because the next scene is Gus in his data processing <laughs> job receiving his first paycheck. Wow. And also, not just his first paycheck in that job, but in his life. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that he's 43 at this point, mm-hmm. he is getting, and we know it's his first paycheck in his life because he's shocked that tax exists. <laughs> That's his main reaction. He's like, what's this deduction thing? And someone's like, oh, yeah, that's tax. And he's really, really annoyed. This is the first time he's had a job ever in his life, in his 43 years of life. Well, at the start, he's like trying to get one and he's been really bad at every job, hasn't he? So he's probably never lasted he's long never, enough. He's never lasted more than a dip, long enough to pay tax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, but he's he he see he learns about the existence of tax, yes. and he's not having it. He's not <laughs> no, having it. Fair it's enough. Like, no, no, that's not good enough. I feel so it. So he decides yeah. to use. <laughs> he decides to use his computer hacking genius that we saw him learn when he typed list into a computer <laughs> yeah. and made a load of words appear. How did you right? do it? How he's did you use... type the L? <laughs> Where's that? Where's that? The keyboard. Is it next... oh, there it oh, is. Oh, it's yeah, the yeah. K. Okay, right. oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Next to the semicolon. Okay. Brilliant. All right. Um, so, so he decides to use his, his amazing skills to get him some money. Yeah. So he hacks into the company computer by typing override all security. <laughs> That's what he does. That's what he does. Wow. And it works, proving to Gus that the computer speaks English and all you need to do is tell it what you want it to do like it's a regular person. Yeah. So then he types... Channel half cents from all Websco salaries into above expenses account, right. which is not amazing English, but you know close enough. And the computer speaks uh, speaks English well enough to understand what yeah, it yeah. actually means. I'll get, I'll get it, Gus. So it turns out Gus isn't a computer hacking genius. He's just the only one that realised that computers just speak English, and you can tell them what to do like a person. <laughs> Yes, they are sentient, as proven towards the end. Yeah. But that's quite quite <laughs> yes, clear, isn't it? So true. yeah, yeah, that's true. yeah. Yeah, and so and of course this works. And on the next payday, mm-hmm. Gus gets an extra check for eighty-five thousand dollars, which, according to um, t- t- trivia on IMDb, means that this company has seventeen million employees. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, in the eighties, right? Yeah. In the in movies in the eighties, computers could do literally anything, mm-hmm. right? They could do absolutely anything, but computers in reality could barely tell you what time it was. Mm. <laughs> because like no one had the faintest idea how computers work so they just like writers and filmmakers just made up whatever they wanted to yes. and I've got some examples for you and now we're going to play Name That Movie with Rufus and Howard oh, wow so um, in for example computers in movies could hack into absolutely anything by simply using a phone and that's an easy one because a lot of computers did that so just name any movie where someone hacked into anything using a phone. Uh, war games. Well, that's good because the second one is accidentally start a nuclear <laughs> war from a teenager's bedroom. <laughs> war games? War, war games. games, excellent, yeah. For the first one, I was thinking of Ferris Bueller for the first one because he uh, hacked into his, com- his yes. like, school computer. It was the yeah. same actor, right? This is the same actor. It's Ferris Bueller in both those movies. And third one, this is going to be more difficult. See if you can get this one. This is a tricky one. It's very specific. In the 80s, computers in movies could create women from nothing (laughs) (laughs) was writer in the world was writer in the world was writer in the world was writer in 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Worst Writer in the World, all about Superman 3. Hooray! Don't worry, we haven't finished. As you may have noticed, we've really only done the beginning. <laughs> so we'll be back next week with part two of three. In the meantime, if you would like more stuff by us, then go and check out patreon.com slash manbycow where you can get an enormous amount of wonderful content for as little as $2 a month or even just one off payment of $2 and just, you know, steal loads of things from us. Mm. <laughs> it's an option you have. I mean, it's, not, it's not stealing if you pay £2 and that's how much we charge. That is the <laughs> that is very much the opposite of stealing. That's buying. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> it's a fair trade. What else are you going to spend $2 on? Like, punching yourself i don't know almost why, why you, almost why? seven meals you can you can buy almost seven <laughs> meals oh according to conservative politicians you yes mean. or because you can a meal costs 30p right comedy. yeah 30p yeah absolutely we I all know even, that i can't even buy a fucking packet of mccoy's for um, <laughs> yeah. 30p and what are they talking about can't even get a freddo for 30p anymore <laughs> i don't know if that's true i hear people talking about the price of freddo's Freddo, a lot so i was trying yeah, to yeah. do a gag right it's a good gag. But i have it. never bought a freddo yeah and i don't know how much they cost now or in the past. Yeah, no, they cost a million pounds because of inflation. Okay. Seems a bit high, doesn't it, that? That's a, yeah, they one chocolate frog for that number. Of <laughs> yeah, but not to ten pounds. That's still no, too much for a 10p, chocolate frog. Ten P I was thinking, but unless it's a magic one like in like in JK Rowling. Yeah. That of magic Freddo that's, who mag- full that's of famously frogs. inside JK Rowling. Yeah. She's full of chocolate frogs, so that's why she's so annoyed all the time, taking yeah. out on people. Well, it's an evil frog that's kind of like climbed up inside <laughs> her and is controlling her. Yeah, it's operating her making her say mean things. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you think, I mean, like, uh, completely off topic, except we're just talking about J.K. Rowling, but you don't think there's any chance that everything she wrote about in the Harry Potter books was true and that actually this is, like, somebody that's just wearing her? You know there's a fan theory about that. That, that this is Helena Bonham Carter pretending to be J.K. Rowling? <laughs> no, There's a fan theory that. about that? No, but you know the character, there's a character, Rita Skeeter, who's a journalist. Right. And the theory goes that Rita Skeeter, like, did something bad, like, revealed secrets or wrote about or something, and her punishment was to be cursed to live the life of a muggle and not be able to say anything about the truth of the, the real existence of the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. And so what she did to get around that was write a load of fiction books or pretending they were fiction books, but actually it's all true. Okay. <laughs> and J.K. Rowling is Rita Skeeter under a curse. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> Which is a good theory because J.K. Rowling really obviously hates that character <laughs> and wrote it to be an awful journalist... And maybe also super transphobic as well, if you look in detail. So it's nice that of all the characters they could have chosen that secretly J.K. Rowling is, it's the one that she doesn't like. Brilliant. (laughs) All right, anyway, enough about Harry Potter. Go and watch Superman 3 again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See you later, everybody. Bye-bye, Milk. Bye-bye, Milk. He's a stupid, suck-ass, rubbish writer.